Welcome, and this is the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we are so glad that you are listening in today. As God's people, we are concerned with reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church, look us up on our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Please subscribe to always get the next podcast. One Friday, as a story goes, in a break from work, a teacher, Sister Marosa, asked her students to write the nicest thing they could think about for each other, and then to hand it in. She compiled the results for each student, and on Monday, she gave the lists back out to each student, and they kept them. Several several years later, one of the students, Mark, was killed in the Vietnam War. And after the funeral, many of the classmates gathered, and Mark's parents gathered, and Sister Marosa gathered for lunch. Mark's father took a wallet out of his pocket and said this. They found this on Mark when he was killed. He said, and he carefully removed a folded, refolded, and taped paper on which the teacher had listed the good things Mark's classmates had said about him. Other students responded. Charlie smiled sheepishly and said, I keep my list in the desk drawer. And Chuck's wife said, Chuck put his in in our wedding album. And Marilyn chirped up, I have mine too in my diary. And Vicky reached into her pocketbook and brought out her frazzled old list. Words can be a treasure. Make sure you treat them as such. Words set the course of your soul. We live in a time where words are exceedingly abundant. We have books and audio and podcasts and YouTube, music, streaming media, media, news stations. We have calls on our phones, texts on our phones, video conferences. On our phones. We have communication fatigue, and this abundance of words have cheapened the value of words. But there are no cheap words. But when we decide to use words cheaply, we play with a deadly fire. Last week, we spoke about listening to the Word of God. This week, we must address the power of our own words. And over the next few weeks, we'll be exploring what God says about the tongue and the heart, as God speaks about these two organs quite frequently in his Bible. And he speaks about these human organs in very figurative terms, linking them tightly together. The heart is is used to describe our personhood, our nature, our character. The heart can also be used to describe our desires, and, and we know that from the way we talk. We'll say, well, I'm just following my heart, or I feel deep down in my heart that I should have ice cream. And the tongue is understood in figurative terms as well. It says the words that we speak. But even more so, the tongue is the gateway to our heart. Our tongue makes our desires known and lets our character out into the world. Our tongues permit others to know who we really are. The Bible speaks over and over about our heart and our tongue. God wants us to see clearly that our tongues and hearts reveal our true selves. And they reveal a lot. Augustine of Hippo said this, he said, I am saddened that my tongue cannot live up to my heart. And Eugene Peterson says this, it's your heart, not the dictionary that gives meaning to your words. Today, we take one last look in the book of James, we've been there for a few weeks, and we'll encounter a text that asks us to wrestle with our tongues. And we are being asked, God is warning us, and he is encouraging us 
in how we use our words. We need to respect the power of words. We need to use words to guide others. And we need to be wary of the destructive power of our words. So let's read the text in the book of James, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what, he, in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships for an, exa- for an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder whenever, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in Christ and God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So we read this about the tongue. And I think we can get a lot of truth from this passage, but perhaps you heard the words... And you started by asking yourself, are these, is James talking to me? Are these words for me? And you bet he's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's talking to all of us. Sometimes we get hung up because this passage mentions teachers right at the beginning. And sure, James does start with a special focus on teachers in the church. And certainly teachers of all kinds should take special care with their words. But it doesn't take long before James is talking about all of us. One popular way that a lot of teachers, uh, a lot of people understand the word teachers in this text is a warning about anyone who takes it upon themselves to oversee and censure fellow Christians without care of how they use their own words to oversee others. Certainly, we all have moments where we use our words to help and to guide others. And yes, our American culture has given each of us a voice with freedom and with authority. We all want to be heard, but this comes with the weight of responsibility. Those that shirk the weight of their words will play with fire. We would do well to listen to what God has to say about the tongue. By the time we get to verse 2, the net over this passage extends to all of us, pointing out that we all stumble. Everybody is with sin. And James also indicates that a guarded tongue When you do that well, it leads to a better ordered life before God. And by that time, James is actually, by the time that James is actually addressing the tongue, he's speaking in terms that apply to every single person on this earth. And so we are warned that the tongue is disproportionately powerful, it has guiding power, and it has destructive power. So let's talk about those three ideas for the moment. 
The tongue is far more powerful than its size. We need to understand this. It is way more powerful than its size. James gives us three quick pictures that are easy to grasp, but they're loaded with truth. He gives us a picture of bits and horses, rudders and ships, and then finally sparks and fires, forest fires. And he begins with that picture of a bit and a horse. A bit is a small device placed in a horse's mouth that allows us to control the horse easily. This small device, small device directs the steps of a beautiful animal, much bigger and stronger than we are. We couldn't help to, uh, hope to control that animal without such a device. We are to think of the proportion and power in that smallness. And our tongues are small. Think of your body. Think of your tongue. It's much smaller than the rest of the body. Our words might seem little. They might seem insignificant. Sometimes we just say a quick thing and didn't think much of it. But the tongue steers our entire life. The power is much stronger than we realized. A small word that is ill-spoken to a spouse, a friend, or a co-worker can change the whole relationship. Mark Twain says this, The difference between the right word and the almost right word is the difference between lightning and lightning bug. Big difference there, right? Simply put, the tongue is incredibly powerful. It has a small size, but a great impact. Our tongues carry an awesome responsibility that can be quickly turned for good or bad. In the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, there there's tons that it says about our words. And here are just a few examples. Proverbs 10.11 says this, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Proverbs 15.1 says this, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15.22 says this, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Can you hear the two sides of the words that we use? They can bring life or violence. They can turn back wrath or bring furious anger. They can bring failure or success. Eugene Peterson says this, We cannot be too careful about the words we use. We start out using them, but they end up using us. Our tongue, our words have power far larger than their size. Our words are a responsibility we must take seriously. And that's the first calling that we have put upon us in our scripture passage today. Do you take responsibility? And will you? You must take responsibility for the power of your words. Secondly, we're told that the tongue guides our lives. James starts with a picture of a horse and a bit and how such a small thing controls such a big animal, but then he moves on to a picture of a ship, a sailing ship, and its rudder. Again, there is a disproportionate size between the rudder and its power, but also James tells us that the rudder guides the ship. Now, I have to admit, I've always read this picture as a negative thing. And that's perhaps because James follows it with the image of fire, and that's a forest fire I truly see as a negative thing. But the ability to steer a ship is very important. The ability to steer is only bad if we misguide the ship, and we've seen examples of that. 
and our words have the power to guide, and we can choose to either direct or misdirect with our words. James even goes so far as to say the rudder can affect the course of the ship in strong winds and the storms on the seas. You might be blown off course, but you can still direct some of the control over the disaster. You can direct the way the ship is going. If if impact is imminent, you can still use the rudder to try to minimize things. You may have a child or a friend who's on a crash course in life know that your words can help steer them. And certainly, their own understanding of their tongues will steer them for good or bad. We should use our words for positive impact, guiding those who are hurting and guiding ourselves. It is an awesome responsibility to teach others about the power of their words. Are you doing this? The best way to do this is to start with understanding the power of your own words and controlling your own words and guiding your own life with your words. How many of you have ever been told that women talk more than men? Ever heard that little that little statistic? I've heard it many a times. It's a popular one that travels around that says, on average, women use 20,000 words a day and men use 7,000. I've heard it quoted in sermons before. I've probably quoted it myself years ago. Well, guess what I found out? It's not true. Women do speak more than men, but only by a very small amount. Men, to be more accurate, fathers often are known for certain words that come out of their mouths. And I found a list of from another pastor of some of those words. And I think you'll understand some of these words. They're usually brief and they're usually quite pointed. And they go like this. Ask your mother. Don't worry, it's only blood. Do I look like I'm made of money? I'm not sleeping. I was just watching that show. I'm not just talking to hear my voice. I think I've heard moms and dads use that phrase. A little dirt never hurt anyone. Just wipe it off. No, no, we're not lost. No, we are not there yet. And don't make me stop this car. Yeah, men, we have certain phrases we are known for. Perhaps we need to be known for some other ones. Men, I know we live in a society where fathers and men do not express their feelings very well. And I'm not asking you to become uh, an expert at feelings The problem is manly silence often does not express anything clearly at all. I'm asking you to be responsible for the guiding power of your words. We all, men and women alike, should be responsible for the guiding power of our words. But sometimes, men, I think we forget the power of our words. That's a responsibility we bear. A simple, clearly spoken word can change the course of a child's life. Are you too busy? Are you too busy doing other things, working on your career to think about the words you speak to your children? Do not miss the opportunity to speak strength, godliness, and purpose into your child's lives. Now, for the final picture of the power of the tongue. That's a fire. And what we learn from that picture is that the tongue is deadly. James describes the tongue as a spark setting a whole forest on fire. And I think we know well the power of forest fires. It's a story of one. 
More than a thousand firefighters battled a wildfire for two weeks in the Black Hills of South Dakota. The fire started August 24th in the year 2000. It was not contained until September 8th. Meanwhile, more than 80,000 acres of valuable timber burned. Janice Stevenson, she was 46, was arrested on suspicion of starting the fire. She pled guilty to second-degree arson and was sentenced to 25 years in the Dakota State Penitentiary and ordered to pay a restitution in the amount of 42, let me count my numbers here, $42 million, $204,155.48. That's a heck of a lot of money. Federal investigators who filed charges against Stevenson say she admits to stopping by the road on August 24th, lighting a cigarette, and tossing the still-burning match on the ground. Rather than putting out the fire, the affidavit said, she looked at it and decided to leave the area. Wow. Like starting a forest fire, producing a wildfire with our tongues requires little effort. Rumors. Half-truths, grumbling, sarcastic remarks, hurtful things said in the heat of anger. All of these smoldering matches have the potential to burn down acres of office morale, family peace, and church unity. Proverbs 16.27 says this, A scoundrel plots evil, and on their lips it is like a scorching fire. As much good potential that lives in our words, so there's also destructive potential. James tells us that it corrupts the whole body. He talks about that fire and that the tongue is even set ablaze by the fires of hell. This is no laughing matter. Remember, the tongue is a gateway into the heart. It reveals who we really are. And if we hurt others with our words, if we cut others up with our words, we are revealing a deep ugliness within us, not just frustration over the situation. Rabbi Joseph Telushkin, author of Words That Hurt, Words That Heal, often lectures on the impact of words, and he asks his audience if they can go 24 hours without saying any unkind words about another person or to another person. Invariably, there's always a small number of listeners who raise their hands, signifying yes. The others laugh, and quite a large number call out, no, I can't wait 24 hours. And Telushkin says, those of you who can't answer yes must recognize that you have a serious problem. If you cannot go 24 hours without drinking liquor, you are addicted to alcohol. If you cannot go 24 hours without smoking, you're addicted to nicotine. Similarly, if you cannot go 24 hours without saying unkind words about others, you have lost control of your tongue. And you know, the word addiction isn't in that illustration, but perhaps we have become addicted to angry, critical words. Proverbs 18.21 says this, The tongue has power of life, has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 15.4 says this, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. It's a little quote from Mother Teresa. Words which, do, words which do not give the light of Christ increase the darkness. Are you shining the light of Christ? Are you speaking the light of Christ? Or are you increasing darkness? There is no in-between ground. In the end, I say with your tongue, don't be a killer.
because you can kill with words. I have seen people wilt under the words of someone they loved and never recover. Words can tear a family apart. A hurtful word is not easily forgotten. Words break trust in moments, and ill words, badly spoken words, can kill a church. Refuse. Resolve today and refuse to be a fire starter. Instead, decide you're going to change your family tree. Decide you're going to bring health to the hurting. Proverbs 16.24 says, Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Are you a fire starter or a healer? So now what? What do we do? We've learned the tongue is powerful, disproportionately powerful to its size. We learned that the tongue can guide. We learned that the tongue can be dangerous like a fire. So what do we do? Resolve that your words will always be true. Resolve that your words will always reflect your character. Don't try to make them one or the other. Resolve that your words will always have purpose. I'm not asking you to become as eloquent as Shakespeare, just to own your words and become responsible for their power and give your words to God. 1 Peter 4.11 says this, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. There's a heavy weight in that little phrase there. You're speaking the very words of God. Do you think that when you talk to others that you're speaking the very words of God? The text continues and it says, If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, and so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever. Amen. Our words are for God and His purposes. They should speak of His majesty, His authority, and His truth. Our words should really be for God's glory. James also calls us to two specific tasks when it comes to our tongues. He asks us first to become a tongue wrestler. Are you a tongue wrestler? You should be. James tells us that we can tame all kinds of animals, but no one can tame their tongue. We could read this and say, ah, well, it's, it's, I can't win. I'll never tame my tongue. And so we just give up. But James is telling us that controlling the tongue is a continuing work. No matter what your age, your tongue can run wild and fire starting sparks will break free. I think that we all know that the more tired we are or stressed, the harder it is to control your tongue. Will you resolve to continually wrestle your tongue and teach others to wrestle with their tongues? It takes daily vigilance. The second thing that James asks of us is to stop trying to divide our speech. We try to have two natures in one tongue. Have you ever been angry with a person but spoke sweetly to their face? That's trying to have two natures. We're trying to separate, as the passage tells us, the waters of our heart. Our tongue lets us try, but we cannot do it. Do you act one way at work and another way at home? Do you act one way at home and another way at church? Teens, and we have all been there, do you act one way with your friends and another way with your parents? The tongue will tempt us to try to split our behavior, our character, into the different social circles we find ourselves. James uses a picture to tell us this cannot be. The picture is that of water. And he tells us that salt and fresh water cannot flow from the same source. You put the two types of water together, and guess what? They mix up. None of us would think that you could keep the two waters separate. We know they mix. And it's the same with our words. We do not have our good side and our bad side. We just have ourselves. 
Stop trying to play two-faced games. We fool ourselves if we think we can portion out our words, if we can portion out our character, our heart, or even our loyalty. Be careful when you try to divide your words. Two tongues, two faces, two sets of vocabulary, and you will end up with two results. The first is you will deceive yourself, and you will tell others around you that they can also split their lives up into two parts, and you have deceived them. Living in deception is one of the most unhealthy ways to live. Secondly, the other result we get is we, our split personality will eventually be found out. You know what we call that? Hypocrisy. And hypocrisy will turn people away from Jesus. You know what? Moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, family members. If you find that you have split your tongue, that you say one thing with your words and then you do another thing with your actions, that you say one thing to one set of people and another to another set of people and your children find you out, You will drive them from Jesus. Don't do that. It is impossible to praise God and curse people who bear his image. That's what James tells us. The Bible tells us that every person without exception bears the image of God. So we need to all speak to them as though our words are God's words. Proverbs 18.4 tells us the word of the mouth are deep waters, but a fountain of wisdom is a rushing stream. James talks about blessing God, praising God, and cursing others. And it has to do with life and death. I like this phrase from John Piper. He says, your words have direction to them. I like that. Do you think of your words as having direction to them? The direction is this. They either lead to life or death. Our words cannot have two directions to them. And stop pretending that they do. We cannot live with dividing up our words from one person to the other and thinking we can get away with it. It's only one, one direction. What's the direction of your words? And James ends with hope for us. As much as James warns us about the power of our words and how we must reign in our words, there is sobering truth in what he tells us. He tells us a tree cannot change its fruit and we cannot flow fresh water out of a salty heart. Have you been doing that? Trying to flow fresh water out of a salty heart? We can make our words better, but we cannot under our own power transform our hearts and truly produce goodness and good life-giving water. The good news is that Jesus Christ, in him, we can be transformed. John 15, 5 says this. It's Jesus speaking. He says, I am the vine and you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. We can't change our tree, but Jesus can. We can join the vine of Jesus and bear his good fruit. We can also receive Jesus as our new source of water. We can't change the water from salty to fresh. But Jesus can. John seven thirty eight tells us this. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And so while James says we can't bear different types of fruit from our kind and we can't go from salty to fresh, he knows that in Jesus we can be restored. And it's no accident that James is talking about words and he's talking about fruit and he's talking about water and how that source comes from Jesus. And in the gospel of John, Jesus is called the word. He's the word that changes us.
So will you this morning take responsibility for the power of your tongue, using your tongue to guide others to life and guard against the fires of the tongue? It starts with inviting Jesus to bring change into your heart. Will you do that now? I want to close with a prayer by Thomas Aquinas, a prayer for a virtuous heart, and it reads like this. Give me, O Lord, a steadfast heart, which no unworthy thought can drag down, an unconquered heart, which no tribulation can wear out, an upright heart, which no unworthy purpose can tempt aside. Bestow on me understanding to know you, diligence to seek you, and wisdom to find you, and faithfulness that finally may embrace you. Amen. Go with Jesus.